Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first scripture reading today is 1 Kings 19, 9 through 18. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel as king over Aram. Also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whatever escapes from the sword of Hazel, Jehu shall kill, and whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, 
and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading for the day is from Romans. That is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. We are Romans 10, 5 through 15. Listen for the word of the Lord. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and is so justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's a small courtroom in a county seat courthouse. They are getting ready for a trial to begin. The first witness is ready to go, and they go to swear in this first witness, and they can't find the Bible. Darn it. Bailiff, where's the Bible? Judge, I don't know. Judge says, everybody take a second, look around, please, see if you have a Bible, or does anybody else have a Bible we can use to swear in this witness? Nobody has a Bible. We need a Bible to swear this in. So the judge thinks for a minute, he says, Bailiff, he says, go go down to the clerk's room, and get Ed. Go get Ed. So the bailiff goes down, brings Ed who works there, different spot in the courthouse, brings Ed forward. Judge says, Ed, you are an elder in your church. You are as most faithful Christian as I have ever seen. You live your faith. You have taught through your actions and relationships more than a hundred Bibles. So if you're okay, we will use you to swear in this witness. So the witness put his hand on Ed and they swore him in. Today, our call is to be like Ed. For others to see that indeed God is within us and we are seeking to live a faithful life. A faithful life is different from a good life. Because we're nice to other human beings, it doesn't make us faithful. It fits under that, 
But you can rightly make the statement, just because I'm good to other people, it doesn't mean that I love God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. That's an indicator. It's not the indicator. Today, we have two scriptures that help us out. First of all, we start with Elijah. And well done, Charlotte. Lots of names, lots of biblical names that she got through perfectly well done. What we need to know about Elijah in this case, it's in the book of Kings. First and second Kings was once one book, and it is what it says it is. It tells the story of kingship through the history of Israel. So it begins with David, King David, and his death, and his son Solomon, who ascends to the throne, who builds the temple, cut the baby in half, you know, wise King Solomon, those stories. It continues on after Solomon through his son, who, because of his actions, will divide uh, the nation of Israel into northern and southern kingdoms. But the book of Kings tells about kings, kings of Israel. So Elijah and Elisha, thanks for making that so confusing, are both prophets in that time. Elijah starts and Elisha becomes his mentor later. So this is on Elisha, Elijah. And so we know a few things about Elijah. Right before this passage in 19 and 18, he has what is one of the big important things about Elijah, a confrontation with the gods of Jezebel. Jezebel, it's a great name, isn't it? Anybody name your child Jezebel? Why not? Because of this. Ahab is the king of Israel here, and he marries Jezebel from outside of the family of Israel who worships the god Baal or Baal, B-A-A-L. And so Elijah, just to make it interesting, I'm simplifying this for time, says, you know what? I challenge your God to a duel. Not that kind of duel. But let's do this, Elijah says, to the 400 priests of Baal. Again, Jezebel's God and priests. Let's set up an altar. Let's cut up some bulls. Because that's what we do. We put it on the altar as a burnt offering to God. I will give you a chance, Elijah says, for your God to rain down fire on the altar, this Baal God. And if you do that, we'll know your God is there. And Elijah says, and if my God, the God of Israel, does that, then you'll know that God is with us. They agree. So the contest begins. So they start these prophets, all 400. They're chanting, they're dancing. Focus. Nothing. Nil, nada. Not a spark, not a flame. Elijah, after a period of time, says, come on, where's your God? Not here. Did he step out? Where'd he go? So he says, okay, my turn. Pushes them all off to the side, kind of rebuilds it, cuts up the bull, because that's what they did as a burnt offering. Puts it on, and he says, oh, wait, before I call down the rain from God, the fire from God, 
I want you to bring some jars of water and pour it on the altar just to make sure that it will not be easy to light, that this will be no trickery, that there's some flames under there you can't see, and then it'll light up. So he does that, they douse it. He says, do it again. So a second time, they take their pitchers of water and they douse it. Then Elijah prays to God, says, show him, show him God that you're there, that you are who we say you are, that there is only one God. Bam, fire rains down from heaven, lights it up. And so Elijah then kills all 400 of those priests. And Jezebel hears of it. These are her priests. These are her people. These are her God that was just embarrassed by Elijah. She's coming after him. Elijah runs. Goes into the wilderness. She's coming after me. He becomes so despondent and depressed. He sits down and says, God, just take my life. What? This talented speaking for God prophet that just saw God act through and with him who has the courage to speak to kings now apparently is despondent and broken. So God sends him what he needs as far as food, you're gonna be okay. Sends him to Mount Horeb or Sinai from which Moses brought down the 10 commandments. So that's a pretty good track record of God and people being present. So he goes up and is in a cave seeking God's wisdom, seeking God's voice. And as Vicki and Charlotte have already mentioned, first came the wind, not a gentle breeze. It is breaking rock, things are falling apart. The wind is violent, does not hear God from within that cave in the mountain. Then an earthquake, doesn't hear God in the violence of the earthquake. Then fire. We just saw God present in fire, but God is not present in this fire, this destructive fire. And then, again, different translations, but it's what we know of as the still small voice comes from here. Some say a quiet whisper. Some say sheer silence. Our NRSV says sheer silence is when God's voice began to be heard. So what I believe we are learning through Elijah is that God is present sometimes in big and dramatic ways as in the fire that he rained down in that battle at the altar. And God is also present in the quiet, in the calm. As a matter of fact, I would find us hard-pressed to say that there's a place where God is not. Where is God? Where is God in my life? Where is God in the world? The more accurate question is, where is God not? We are listening for God's voice, and before we get to the flip side of this, which is what Paul is telling us in Romans, we have to do the inner work of listening to God's voice. 
There are a million voices in the world. You know, we talk about this fairly regularly. Many of them are not gods. Most of them are not gods. We fill our lives with distracting voices because it gets us through. Elijah is saying, in this case, sometimes you have to slow everything down. Sometimes you have to stop and you have to listen. How much time do we take to listen to God? Sometimes it happens. Again, in big and powerful ways, and that's really what we all want. We want the big, flashy, I heard God's voice a few weeks ago amongst 1,200 youth at Anderson Auditorium in Montreat. That was loud, fire, flashy, in the laughing, in the dancing, in the singing, in the sharing. And I hear God when I stop. And that's easier said than done because that you have to do proactively because we become so normalized to always a voice being on in the background. Usually that is not reflective of God's voice. So the first thing we have to do is to find where God is speaking to us and how. And again, Instead of saying, well, I don't ever hear God, where is God speaking to us? I would say the better question is where God, when is God not speaking to you? We are surrounded by friends and family. As we go about our daily life, God is with you all the time, seeking to remind you through that word that you are loved, you are special, you are called and I have some work for you, some blessed, faithful, and joyful, and sometimes even difficult work. Come and follow me, and I will show you that work. Before we can go and tell others about the risen Christ, before we can go and tell others about our faith, we have to have something to share. Think about the things that you recommend to other people. I had an amazing chicken marsala last night. Mm, the non, mm, oh, debutimus. You should go there and ate where I ate. It was delicious. We can give restaurant recommendations, right? The movie I saw last week. Come on, Barbie. Uh-huh, all right. Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible. They're all out there. You can recommend that to friends because you enjoyed it and you thought they might enjoy it. Streaming services. Yeah, we're watching this show, blah, 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 blah. Last week I talked about the Jesus Revolution on Netflix. It is a movie with Kelsey Grammer, formerly a Frasier, that chronicled the Jesus movement and the hippies from the late, in the late 60s and early 70s, Greg Laurie, who took that and ran with it, Mega Church, California. I lift that up to you because I think you would enjoy it because we enjoyed it and it tied to our faith. So we saw something that we thought you would enjoy and I wanted to tell you about it. If we are not excited about our faith, if we cannot celebrate the awe and the wonder and the majesty and power of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit with us and it moves us to nothing, why would we be excited to tell anybody anything? 
This understanding we often get caught by putting God in a box. Church is church, blah, blah, preacher, blah, blah, Jesus, blah, blah, Jesus. Well, I got to get up, got to go to church, got to go to Sunday school, got to read my Bible, got to... It's a waste of all of our time if that is your attitude. But if it is, you're still in the right place. But come and work with us because you're missing something. What we have to remind ourselves, especially in this new season, this educational season in the fall, is the wonders of God's love for you. And the reality of the living Christ who lived and continues to live in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We have to reclaim the wonder of God, our creator, God, our redeemer who saved us and God, our sustainer, meaning who walks with us every day, past, present, future from this life into the next. It is nothing but a celebration. It should elicit gratitude from us. And instead, we keep it Sunday morning, go home like it never existed. We are like the dead leaf butterfly. Oh, yes, we are. It is beautiful on the top. This butterfly, you can see it flying. Beautiful color, swooping. And then when it lands on the underneath side of its wings, it puts its wings up, all the color disappears, and it looks like a dead leaf. That is for its survival. Where it becomes problematic for us is that we are here, we are comfortable at least listening about God and singing about God and praying while we're here, hopefully studying Sunday morning, coming to different events in the life of the church that seek to move us closer to Christ and one another. But then when we go out, we, we put our, our God, our Christ colors away because we're afraid others will see. And we assume our camouflage in the culture as if we never had the colors of Christ in our hearts and in our lives. We find that voice of God first and we remember how special and important it is. And if you haven't, come. We do this together. It's a part of any family of Christ that we seek together to know Christ and live in the world together. And when we do that, it should motivate us a thousand times more than a good movie or a good meal is why I love God, why I follow Christ. Not in ways that judge and demean and beat others over the head with what we think is correct about our belief, but rather as a way for them to know that they are loved. Right now, I want you to think of three people Three people who don't go to church, this or any other, or maybe they are a member of a church, but they don't attend this church or others. For whatever reason, they're not there. And it's not like they've never heard about Christ. Church on every corner in Columbus, Georgia. But that doesn't mean that they know Christ. That doesn't mean that they celebrate God's love, grace, peace, hope, and joy in our lives. I want you to write those people down, mark them, put them in your phone, write them on your bulletin right now. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. Three people go. You at home, do the same. 
Think of three people you know at work, in your family, down the street, here and there, that you're pretty sure isn't involved with a faith community. You don't have three, you can keep working on it. And I want you to take these home and I want you to pray about them. I want you to pray using their name and their situation, maybe somebody in class, your new classes that y'all have started this year. Maybe it's a student in your class. Maybe it's a teacher teaching your class. And I want you right now just to pray for them by name, that they would be open to God's spirit within them. Just start there, that's all I want you to do. I'll get back to you with a follow-up. At some point, as Paul is reminding us in the broken church in Rome, how beautiful are the feet of those who spread the good news. That is an Isaiah 52 reference that Paul is lifting up. How beautiful are the feet. Yes, your stinky, weird-looking, toenail-crinkled feet are beautiful. Why? Because you use them to take God's word out into the world. But before you do that, you have to see the joy within yourself. You have to see the validity of Christ within you. You have to listen for how God is present with you and leading you. Then you can say to someone on that list, let me just share something with you. You know, you believe what you want. I don't have it all figured out, but this has really been helpful to me in my journey. Maybe it's somebody in a difficult place. Invite folks to church. All of you out there, there's thousands of you out there. We've got seats for you. Come on. Invite them to church, not so we can get more notches, not so we can uh, inflate our roles, but so that they will know how special they are to God, that they have been blessed and redeemed by a loving, faithful God who will never leave them. So much of the Christian message has been lost in judgment, and hatred and bigotry and separateness. Upon all the laws and the prophet hang this, Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophet, that is a huge and radical statement. So as we move today, Again, as Elijah, know that God is in the fire, but God is in the quiet of places that we have to carve out. And once we reconnect and recommit ourselves to Christ, then we can go and share in appropriate and faithful and affirming ways the way that we know and love Christ for what God has done in our lives. And again, if you can't put your finger on all of that, 
then you come and let's do this together. That's the joy of a church family and the larger body of Christ. We're figuring this out together. So friends, let's go into this new season, into this new moment, knowing that we are being called to have beautiful feet. Hallelujah. Amen. Hmm. I'm sorry. Pulchritudinous. Everybody say pulchritudinous. It's the sermon title. Great SAT word. Great crossword puzzle word. It simply means beautiful. Pettis' feet. It's another way to look at your neighbor and say, you are pulchritudinous today. Well done. Amen. <laughs>